the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, Episode 80. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hey, Sandra. Good morning. How are you? How are you? Oh. Uh, we're, I'm good. I, <laughs> I'm good you? too. <laughs> uh, I feel like, um, you know, after all of the episodes we've done, you think it would just feel a little more like it does feel fresh and new every time we do it. <laughs> every term- time yeah. I'm like, we did it. We pulled that off again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I know. Which I guess, you know, is good. We, we don't get complacent. That's um, right. <laughs> I don't act too cocky with the equipment, knowing what I'm doing. No, I do not. <laughs> not my right. Case. Yeah. The, we don't want to lose episodes and all that kind of stuff. No. Um, so. No, but we're getting <laughs> I up guess there. it's good. This is like episode 80. I mean, it's freaking I, incredible. I know. I know. It's yeah. crazy. Where has the time gone, Sandra? It's pretty cool. <sighs> yeah. It Let's is just pretty bask cool. in that for a minute. <laughs> I know. Let's just, let's do it. I'm just raising my tea glass to you right now, Sandra. Because, I mean, we show up every week for each other, and it's so beautiful. And even if we didn't have this podcast, I would li- I would hope that we could show up every week for each other. But this is like this other thing that joins us, you know, that kind of keeps us right. committed to each other, too, and kind of tethered. Yep. I know. I know. Right, right. Because as much as we put our own amount of effort into it it's its own thing too Mm -hmm. and um so yeah I feel really lucky that we get to do this and we get to put it out into the world I mean it's so funny uh you know I every other day I have a woman that Mm. that pings me and says I just found your podcast and um I just love it um yeah, so we're kind of in a little love fest bubble here, and I want to um, I want to share a little something that um, speaking of like the love fest and women, I had a tea and toolboxes meeting on Sunday um, with I think six women total were there, and that has kind of been born of just this idea of what we've talked about here on the pod about um, in real life connection and how key and important that is, and for new listeners, I just want to let you know that. Um, we had this idea of like getting together for tea and toolbox items, like to share like what's in your toolbox and how that was born was that I tried to do a little sober book club with Natalie Fairbrook and a couple other gals. And the book club kind of petered out after like three months because no one was wanted to really read what the, what was suggested. Not that we didn't want to read it. We were all at different phases of our recovery. So people were already reading a ton of books, you know, like you do in recovery. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, oh, I already read that, or that's on my list, but I'm not there yet because I'm reading this book. So we still wanted to get together. So we thought, well, why don't we just share, 
you know, uh, what's in our sobriety toolbox, like what we share here on the podcast at the end of the show. And I just had the best meeting on Sunday with my ladies. And, um, you know, we go around in a circle, kind of do a little quick check-in, like where you're at with your sobriety or life or whatever. And then you share like some things that you do and, um, or tools or a book or um, a class or a podcast or whatever it is. And it lasts for like two hours. And what we laughed about on Sunday was like, we show up on time and we leave on time. It's from three to five. And that's only because we're all sober. Because if we'd been drinking, <laughs> it would be five-ish we would leave. We'd text our husbands that we're late. We would, you know, spill into 6.30. We'd be getting home. But, but like in sobriety, it's like we just, I don't know, we're timely. We keep oh, our word. <laughs> yeah. If that was a happy hour, right. yeah. If that was, that was margaritas and toolbox, right. I... <laughs> wouldn't probably wouldn't go home that night it's i mean that that was that was my it. mo <laughs> right it, it just yeah it, it becomes not an hour not a happy hour no not no. and not a very happy i mean in the beginning maybe it seemed that way but i don't know i just drove home from that because after i drove home from that i went to go see A Star is Born which i'm not going to talk about too much because i know you haven't seen the newest mm -mm. one i haven't seen it yet but it was just like recovery again all weekend. You know, I saw the 1976 version on um, Friday night and then it was my anniversary on Saturday, which took me back to my wedding day, which made me start to have some sad thoughts about that day, you know, because I, I drank my face off. I broke a table on my wedding night from dancing mm -hmm. on it. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I don't know, just I started to go down there, Sandra, and I was like, no, come on back. Come on back. Everybody had fun. You weren't in a great place. Um, and you're not there anymore. Right. Like, this is 17 years. You're celebrating that you're here. Right. And it looks <laughs> way different, you know, than yeah. it did. And then I went and saw Stars Born on Sunday night and it just, mm, it just reminded me about love and relationships and drinking and marriage and what the other person has to deal with. And it kind of got me sad again. I got to be honest. <laughs> Um, but I kind of, it, it's like a sadness I'm not, well, I don't need to escape from. It's just like a reality yeah. that like, I'm still here. I'm still married. It's not a movie. It's not all glamorous, but to think about how my husband supports me, um, in the ways that he's able, um, and that he hasn't fully, you know, unpacked my drinking or, you know, that, that there's still so much more to be done here in this marriage. And I just, um, I don't know, I wanted to just mention that because I don't think that I remember that sometimes. Sometimes I think like, oh, I wish he didn't drink. And I wish he totally got me like my girlfriends get me. Um, and that's why I have you. <laughs> well, right. That's why I have other right. people in sobriety that get me, you know. He yeah, doesn't have to I get me like marriage, that. I think it's when we expect our our marriages. Oh, we're getting off into a whole nother topic here for an intro, but quickly. I mean, I think when we expect our, our, our marriages or, um, you know, our relationships with our partner to fulfill everything, yeah. um, is when we get in trouble, right? It, you know, it's when, um, the expectation, our expectations don't meet up with the reality and, you know, and then that goes into causing resentments often. Um, 
so yeah, I think that, uh, you know, you, that's why, yeah, you have friends and you have your creativity and, um, you can, you know, it's, it's a, it's a well-rounded life that we can have. Yeah. And I, and I bring this up in the intro of this, um, podcast just because I, I know who we're, we're going to talk with our guest today, Patty Minix, and we'll get into her bio in a minute, but I know that she touches on this as well about, right. about her marriage and her partner. And, and sometimes I know that in my own recovery, I can, and I think always when, even when I was drinking, I would romanticize other people's relationships. You know, why can't it be more like that when you only saw the surface? Like I never, I think I was so unhappy with um, myself that I would look at other, other couples or other, um, yeah, other relationships and think like, oh, I want, I want to be like that because I was just so unhappy with who I was. Right. Um, it wasn't necessarily, I mean, no marriage is perfect. And I've learned that from, from being with someone for 17 years, you know, I think I, when people get married, like sometimes I'm like, wow, it's so optimistic. Right. So optimistic when you're at that very beginning phase. Um, But I also think it's pretty cool to um, to grow and morph and change and have someone witness you. And um, I don't know. I just that movie gave me all the feels. I still haven't fully unpacked all the messages. There's so many. So I can't I look forward to talking to you about it. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Um. Any, anything else going on with you or what's going on creatively with you? Uh, not, not much. Um, I will uh, plug my newsletter mm-hmm. um, if I haven't done that in a while. Um, you can go to my site, theunruffle.com. Uh, I've been stocking my marketplace. The holidays are coming and I've been busy. Um, so if you need to buy yourself a gift... <laughs> I or a party dress or a beautiful kimono to wear to a holiday party. I am stocking up my marketplace. Um, I'm also posting things on Instagram. So uh, I update you guys in my newsletter. If you sign up for that at theunruffle.com, you can get updates on that. Also, um, we talked about this maybe last time, but I think I might turn my ebook into a real book, but you can still get it in the ebook version for $12 at my site. And I think that's it. That's really, I've just been sewing my little fingers off. And well, I love you shared a gorgeous, all of your creations. I love just, I just love every single one, but that, that dress that you like a slip dress that has a beautiful mm-hmm. crochet. Is it crocheted or what is that lace? What goes over the top of it? Uh, the um, the black one. Yeah, that's like blue. It's it's lace. Uh huh. Yeah. So that goes over the top of that beautiful. I mean, either way, it was gorgeous, right? That beautiful kind of. Is it like a navy black slip? Like it looks like a <gasps> long, beautiful slip. Oh, right, right. It's like a, um, it's just like a cotton jersey, uh, dip dyed halter dress that's actually black. My phone like made it kind of blue looking, but it's actually black. And then there's an overdress. Yeah. Overdress. Wow. That's made out of lace and it's dip dyed and all, it's all hand stitch. I made it a while ago and I think it just, it, nobody has bought it 
but uh, Deanna tried it on actually yes. at the women's circle and it looked beautiful on her. So yeah. So anyway, I put it on just to snap a picture and put it on Instagram just to kind of show because, you know, things on a mannequin don't really don't really translate as well as they do on a body. So you know, I like seeing them on you. I liked seeing that. And that that, that was two versions because you could wear the dress, the dip dye yeah. dress just by itself. Or you can also add that beautiful lace overlay, which I've that's what I saw in Diana at the women's mm-hmm. circle when she tried it on. Um, so really beautiful. And yeah. Yeah, when I wear your kimono, Sandra, I feel like a, a million bucks in it. Aw, thank you. Like, when you. I wore it to the silent disco at She Recovers and just was dancing like I was Stevie Nicks or something. Like, I just <laughs> loved it. Aw, <laughs> oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, it was really good. Um, yeah, so uh, the thing the, the thing about your um, turning your ebook into a book, I'm excited for you. I hope oh, that can yeah. work and, like, if, if I can help you with anything, which, you know. Yeah. I'm, limit- I- I'm limited with what I know, but I'm happy to help. Because I think I think I would love to see a physical manifestation of all your hard work, you know, and that someone could hold too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks, thanks. Um, so I'm going to quickly just so we can get to um, to the interview that we have. But I have a women's circle coming up this weekend. When this airs, it'll be this weekend, October twentieth. It is um, a day of art, yoga, and ritual. It'll be from eleven to four thirty at Soul Yoga in Santa Rosa, California. So that's about an hour north of the Golden Gate Bridge, if you're not familiar, in Northern California, north of San Francisco. Um, You can register online at nataliefairbrook.com. And I am part of this women's circle. The other teachers will be Natalie Fairbrook and Nikki Hale, who's been on the show here. And we are kind of focusing on you know, recalibration, the season, restoring ourselves, kind of getting ready for the winter. Um, Nikki's going to lead us in an exercise about the life-death life cycle mm-hmm. um, from that book, Women Who Run With Wolves. I'm, mm-hmm. The author's name is escaping me right now. And um, I'm going to be leading a little section on uh, morning ritual and routine. And um, yeah, I'm going to be sharing some things about transformation and mm-hmm. gratitude. And then Natalie is going to be leading us in yoga and um, meditation. Nikki's also going to be doing a creative exercise. And we're going to be making um, tiny little pocket shrines or altars, like little tiny ones that you can put in your pocket and take with you. Mm. So it should be really nice. And uh, we already have a little handful of ladies that we know that have signed up, which is so fun to know the women that are coming. Like that just makes it all the sweeter. It's just really awesome. Um, Yeah. And my book is available on my website. So everything can be found in my shop on my website too. Paintings, my book um, at TammySolace.com. And you can sign up for the newsletter as well there so that's promo 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 and we would love it love 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 it if you could take a few minutes to give us a rating on itunes um a little star rating it just takes a second to do or um you can leave a little review if you'd like we'd really appreciate that too we have a couple new reviews i've seen Oh, good. Well, and also real quick, um, we have a secret Facebook group. We talk about it all the time. Uh, You can find Tammy or I on Facebook. Send us a friend request and a message that you want to join the secret Facebook group, and we'd be happy to to add you. Um, On Fridays, we're doing a little live, 30-minute live Q&A. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me. (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, we are doing it around noon. So, you know, wherever you are in the country around noon, noon central, what, um, 10 Pacific, Mm -hmm. however that translates to all the other times, time zones. Um, yeah. And they're just kind of fun. We're just really chatting with each other. Um, we haven't figured out it's a new platform for us, so we haven't totally figured out how we you can ask us live questions, but um, we're putting it into the Facebook group a day beforehand where you can comment um, there with any questions that you have. And we're, we'll be talking about that week's podcast as well. So Yeah. Yeah. So once we kind of announce that we're doing this, if anybody wants to leave a question underneath that under that post we'll um, circle back and try to uh, address those and you know, answer them as best we can. So um, I know it's a new thing and, um, but yeah, whatever, whatever, um, whatever you want to know <laughs> within reason, we will try to um, answer there and it's private. So that's where it's different than this podcast. Like what, you're going to get the private us with our, with our group there that I feel a little more open to chat about a few things that maybe I normally wouldn't on the air um, for me, True. for me personally. So, True. um, so Didn't go ahead and ask some questions there that maybe we don't address on the pod. There might be a reason we don't address it on the pod. Um, so yeah, we're yeah. trying that out for now and let us know what you think. Um, and so to join that, you need to friend up either Sandra or myself on Facebook, but it's not enough just to friend us. Cause if you friend us, we'll accept you. You need to send us a private message, a DM and say, please add me to the unruffled podcast secret Facebook group. Um, and we will. And yep. I think that's it. That's it. it? Okay. Yes. Let's Um, talk about our guest today. Yes. Let's, let's, let's. Um, Oh, so our guest today is Patty Minix. And um, I think I believe I just through Instagram is probably how I met Patty and Mm -hmm. from, and from um, our secret Facebook group. Yep. I think so. She's a creative. I'm going to let you go. Why don't you go ahead and say her bio? Well, she's a ceramic artist and small business owner that lives in St. Charles, Missouri with her husband, Roy, and her two cats, Alice and Dorothy. Um, she works out of her home studio and juries into art shows and festivals around the St. Louis area. She is very active with a variety of art organizations, including the Best of Missouri Hands, where she serves on the board of directors promoting the arts throughout the state. She is a homemaker, a gardener, and an insightful self-studier that thrives to create art in every aspect of her life. Yeah, and she... um I've connected with her just about ceramics lately and talked to her on the phone and she's just such a bright light. And so for our interview here today, um, you know, a lot of times we stay um, focused on a story of, of maybe what they're doing right now, which we do get to. Um, but part of the story is what it was like. And so Patty's going to take us a little bit of like her um, journey into finding sobriety, which takes up a little bit more time than where we normally stay with some of our guests. So just know that, that we're going to kind of traverse her history. And then we're going to get to kind of what she's doing now and the awesome things that she's doing creatively. And to find her... Uh, work is her um, studio is called here the art studios with an s.com that's her website you can find her on instagram and it's at patty spiral and you can find her on facebook they have a facebook page her and her husband for their business which is here the art studios and so we just we loved patty and loved the conversation that we had and we hope that you do too yes you guys enjoy patty hey patty 
Good morning. Good morning, ladies. Well, finally, we chat. <laughs> finally, we chat. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like, you know, when you're like, uh, you know, if you've ever played baseball and you're like running the bases and you like slide into home, that's what I just felt like I just did. I'm sliding <laughs> right into home for this, for this interview. Well, technology is not my strong suit. So yeah, helping to try to troubleshoot uh, on Skype is like, uh, <laughs> but we all three well, yeah. tried. We all three tried. I only just learned it like within the past two weeks. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I completely understand. You're doing great, Patty, with it. <laughs> That's why we call ourselves artists. Although, you know, I don't know, we should we should get this tech thing down, shouldn't we? If we want to live amongst the real world. Yes, totally. I'm a little resistant, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I do what I can. I do what I can. I'm recording in a new space today. So my dog is next to me. So hopefully nothing crazy happens, but um, just know that, that there might be a little bit of noise, but Patty, where are we talking to you from so that our listeners know? I am in St. Charles, Missouri, uh, just west of St. Louis. Hmm. And how long have you lived there? Um, I moved up here in 2008, 2008, because actually I met my husband Roy on eHarmony. Aww. <laughs> Aww. And we get to chat about Roy a little later, don't we? I'm excited yeah, to hear about he's him. He's a good guy. He does sound like a good guy. I always love to hear the, the stories of, of, of the dating sites actually working out. There's someone in my family. I, I probably shouldn't even mention her who she is. But anyway, someone in my family met someone through a dating site, too. And they're happily married uh, well, it- ten, 10 years later. Yeah. Yeah, it's it really was a neat. I mean, I had been I got married when I was really young and had been married and then divorced. And, you know, I decided I got to a point in my life and it was like 2007 that I was like, okay, if I seriously want to find someone else, I knew I wasn't going to find them in the bars. And I decided to go ahead and give eHarmony a try. I liked it because you actually had to pay and it, you know, it was an investment. It wasn't just a free hookup kind of a thing. And I started talking to Roy in, I guess it was like the end of September. We started messaging through eHarmony and then we didn't actually meet face to face till like the end of November. So Mm. we talked and really got to know each other for a couple months before we even met face to face. And, you know, it was one of those by the time I came up here for the visit, I knew right away I was like, oh, yeah, this is definitely the guy. This is the guy I want is my husband. So, okay, and we're jumping ahead here, but is he an okay. artist as well? Is he an artist as well? Um, he is. He actually, I mean, his his college career um, brought him to computers, and he does have a full time job. He works as a software tester, um, very high tech. I mean, he's definitely my IT guy for any kind of support. Um, but and I went to school as an artist, so it's something that we started to share together. We took a couple pottery classes classes together. And then now he is my partner. He works a full-time job and then comes home and spends hours down in the studio, just has fallen in love with the wheel and different firing processes. And, you know, our dream is once he can retire, then we'll be doing this full-time for the rest of our lives. 
That is so beautiful. I love yeah. it. I love it. <laughs> Goodness. Okay. Well, all right. I want to talk about all of that, of course, because I am that. in my <laughs> beginning phases of that. Um, not loving the wheel yet, but yeah, I can see how you would once you get it. Um, well, remember, I'm a hand builder, so yeah, I, that's right. You said that. <laughs> I have not found my love of the wheel, so that's, <laughs> it's kind of nice in our studio. You know, Roy's the master potter, and that's great. He does all the wheel throwing stuff. I do all the hand building stuff, so we make well, a good pair. Yeah. Well, let's okay. So let's back up just a tiny bit. We we this is what I do totally want to talk about. That I want to talk about your partnership with Roy and what a support he is to you. So we'll get there. My Roy in my life is my typewriter a repairman so when you said Roy <laughs> I'm just picturing my Roy and I was like uh-huh. I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get a picture episode. of your Roy <laughs> I need your Roy <laughs> yeah the one episode where you mentioned that I was like yep and, yeah. and Roy my Roy's phrase is I never met a Roy I didn't like so uh, I always <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, so let's jump in. Let's jump into your story a little bit to get our listeners, you know, up to speed on kind of, you know, well, I know we met through um, just through social media, right? Yeah. And you can tell our listeners maybe how you dropped into sobriety, what maybe, maybe what your, um, why you quit drinking, you know, let's just keep it at that. Like what brought you to that, um, to you to make that final decision that you're like, eh, I don't think I want this in my life anymore. And you can share that in any way that you feel comfortable. Sure. Well, um, I was born, definitely born into the family that drinks. Um, I was born in 1973 and it was, just, I mean, it was a daily occurrence. A lot of people, generations of people in my family drank every day, and that's what I grew up with. Um, there's pictures of me, you know, when I was little, and I was sipping off my dad's beer, and in my baby book, it says, Patty loves beer, and that pretty much <laughs> started me off. Um, so I guess when I was, oh, I'd say probably like 13, early teens, I have um, a couple older siblings. So it it was not uncommon for me to start drinking with them when I was that young, you know, holiday gatherings, different things. Oh, sure. You know, let Patty have something to drink. And it was something that I saw every day. And it didn't seem um, strange or, you know, it, it was the norm. It definitely was the norm for me of, of growing up and everyone. I mean, my dad every day would have his shot of whiskey and his beer constantly. I mean, that's that's what I grew up with. And when I was younger, um, I did go to some different Alateen. Uh, my mom you know, was having a lot of issues with my dad and just his drinking and dealing with his drinking. So she would go to Al-Anon meetings to look for support and I would go with her and I would go to the Alateen meetings, you know, geared toward, you know, basically kids of alcoholics. And I never really, I guess I couldn't really relate to that because for me, I didn't, I really didn't think of him as an alcoholic. He was never... I mean, he definitely was always drinking, but I don't ever remember him really being like what I pictured in my mind, what an alcoholic was, what a true drunk, you know, looked like. So, um, 
it's, you know, just growing up in that, drinking with my sisters, drinking, and my, my one sister and I look a lot alike. So, I mean, there were times where I used her ID and just drinking was a huge part of my growing up. And then, of course, like getting into high school, going out with friends, it just, you know, it, it was all it was always drinking. Everything <laughs> revolved around drinking. Yeah. Well, and well, it's like a gradual like, yeah, it doesn't it seems harmless, right? Right. Yeah. And it was just, yeah, you know, you feel good, you laugh, you dance. I mean, it just, it, it was part of every celebration. It was part of every, you know, sadness, funerals, e- you know, every party we ever had was, there was, it was always drinking. Yeah. Right. And well, you do, you do what you know, right? You knew right. that. So it's like, why would you, you didn't question it. Right. And, and I never, you know, when I was younger, I never really saw it as a problem. I didn't really see what the big deal was, you know, where it just, I mean, it's everywhere. Every show, you know, I would watch everyone's drinking like it. I mean, we live in a culture that completely glorifies drinking. So, you know, as I got older, I mean, of course, you know, I always laugh because you hear like, oh, marijuana is the gateway drug. But honestly, like I think alcohol is the gateway drug. If you're willing to take some kind of a substance to alter how you're feeling, Mm. you know, that that opened it up for me where it was, you know, I mean, I started smoking cigarettes and I was smoking pot and, you know, I mean, I was pretty much willing to try most things because it was it just it was always a, a party atmosphere. It would just, you know, we had a good time, always that quest of just, you know, feeling good. And I never really had bad hangovers or there wasn't really, you know, when I was younger, it, it never seemed to be a problem. And then as my life progressed, I mean, you know, we all walked down different paths and things and I ended up getting divorced from my first husband back in oh, 2002, and I had gotten married when I was 20, so I didn't really have the, you know, like I was married before I was even of legal drinking age of 21, so I never really had the going to bars and just partying when I was you know, before I got married the first time. So it definitely came out once I got divorced, then it was like, oh, just wild craziness like I just the idea of love and relationships like I was so against that that it was all just about partying and a good time and going out and you know how old were you when you got divorced Patty just so I don't have to do Um, math this early in the morning (laughs) (laughs) I was like 28 29 yeah 28 was when I I left the ex and then, you know, it was finalized by 29. So by like my 30th birthday party, it was, you know, my birthday's in June. Sandra, I'm a Gemini also. Oh. So yeah. it definitely marked the, you know, beginning of summer. And it was just all about drinking, partying, having a good time. That was it. You know, that was pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> that that was my goal. I mean, I had gone to college. Um I got my degree in fine arts from the University of Oregon. So I was living out in Eugene. And out there, you know, it's like all about the craft beers. And I was homebrewing and, you know, lots of (laughs) pot growers all around. And it was just, I mean, there, there was pot and beer 
everywhere, always. Everyone did it. You know, everyone I surrounded myself with. So again, I never thought it was a strange thing because this is what I'm surrounding myself with. You're just, you're, it's part of your culture. It's part of what, yeah. My dad, I think I've said it on the show before. He used to always say, you know, tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. And I hated that growing up. And he would always say it in Spanish and then he'd say it in English. And, but I think it's pretty true. Oh, now, now that I have re- some age. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, looking back, it's like, yep. <laughs> yeah, it's just what yep. was going on. Yeah, you found because your people. Yeah, and that's, you know, I mean, I surround, you know, and of course, I've, you know, I still have friends that I've met along the way, and it wasn't only party and friends, but for sure, that was the bulk of it. Yeah. And because I moved around, like I grew up in Florida, and then I moved out to Oregon and was out in Oregon for like 10 years. And, you know, my first connection of meeting any friends was like, where's a good place to go drink? Where, you know, where are the good beers around town? Or where's the good pod? Or, you know, mm-hmm. like, that that was the end. And of course, everyone's like, Oh, yeah, here, come, you know, Mm hmm. And then after I got divorced, I mean, I moved back to Florida and being around my family was just really tough because I had been away. So then I ended up like moving back to Oregon to try and, you know, establish myself out there when I was single. And that just was, you know, I mean, that I just went right back into a party mode and ended up humbly having to come back to Florida a second time. And it, you know, I mean, I was definitely a lot of shame at that point. I did have an arrest. I mean, it was, it was a very dark period in my life. How old were you, Patty? Do you remember? Um, by that point I came back and it was like 2004. So I had turned 31. Okay. So pretty much from like 28 to 31 was a pretty bad downward spiral of just not really having much direction. I had gotten divorced. I was, when I had moved back to Florida the first time I had been dating a guy for a while and then, and we were just partying a lot. And then I moved back when I moved back to Oregon, that guy ended up killing himself. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that was a huge, just, and I think it got to the point that I, I never really processed my feelings of my divorce and of my boyfriend's suicide and, you know, all these things that I was going through, I just, I just drank, you know, I drank and I would, you know, do whatever drugs were available. I mean, I remember just swearing, you know, like I would never do Coke and that, you know, then the first time I did it, it was like, oh, okay, I guess I am going down this path. And, you know, and it was never, I mean, for me, the constant was always cigarette smoking, drinking and pot smoking, you know, and I would do other things. And of course, like wake up the next morning knowing, oh, maybe I went a little too far the night before, but you know, drink coffee and feel good. And then, oh, well, may as well pop a beer. I mean, it, it, it just was, it was my constant. So when I ended up moving back to Florida in 2004, I was living with my mom and it was really like, okay, I got to get my shit together. Like (laughs) I really need to get some direction. So one of my sisters is a teacher and she offered to help me get my certification. So I ended up going back to school to become an elementary school teacher. That's what, you know, my sister teaches and she's always been just a really big model for me. And I ended up going back to school. I became a teacher. And about that time was when, 
you know, I, I was living with her at the time and, you know, we were every day, we come home from school, drink, sit on the back porch, you know, I mean, it was always a nice time that we bonded and we talked, but of course it was always over beers, you know, it just, again, every day, not thinking that it seemed out of the norm that I shouldn't be drinking alcohol every day. I mean, and you figure, not that I was drinking every day when I was 13, but pretty, you know, pretty much by the time I was in my late teens to early 20s up into now like my mid 30s, I have pretty much drank every single day in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your body, I mean, your body responds to that, right? Your body relies it's on insane. that. It's insane. Like yeah. now when I look back at it, I think, what the hell? <laughs> like, what, you know, like mm-hmm. I can't believe I even survived yeah. what mm-hmm. I put my body. You know, I mean, obviously it goes to show what an amazing body we each have, like the human body. Right. It right. Heals, you know. Mm-hmm. But then you also hear about people that that are that die or suffer, you know, severe consequences. Uh, physically oh, from yeah. in taking that much alcohol. So then you realize how lucky, you know, we've all, we all are. Yeah. Well, it really, yeah. I mean, it's really crazy because even now I look back and think, I mean, as I said, it's, it's generations and generations of drinkers in my family. And I think back to all the different health problems that, you know, either I've had or, or my family members have had. And at no point did anyone ever say, huh, I wonder if it has to do with the amount of alcohol I'm drinking. Mm-hmm. That's you not know, a question. It's not a question. <laughs> it's like it doesn't even enter the mind. I mean, I'm I've, I've blamed bend, you know? everything else on on the way I felt. You know, it's, it's, my, it's my emotions. It's my hormones. It's perimenopause. I mean, every – I blamed everything else. Yeah. It's, of course, every outside source. It must be mm-hmm. everything else going on. <laughs> it can't be the fact that I'm sucking down, you know – bottles of beer or bottles of wine or whatever it is every yeah. single night. Right. You know? Poison that's at also a depressant and <laughs> addictive. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure it's not that. Right. <laughs> no. Well, that's a, yeah, it's not even a thought. It's not even a thought. Well, so help, help us get to, I know you're going there, but help us get to where you're like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Right? Because I know you're going there. (laughs) That was definitely the first. Like in 2004, when I had gone back to Florida, and then, you know, I was working at Nielsen TV ratings, working the night shift, biking to bike into the call center every night, you know, was there. And that's pretty much when I was like, okay, what am I doing? So then I decide I'm going to go to school. I was able to quit that job. I focused on school, went back, got my certification, became a teacher. And then at that point was definitely like, okay, what am I doing? So then that's how I ended up getting onto eHarmony. I met Roy, you know, he was living up here in St. Louis. I was down there and I would call him. I would get home from a night out of drinking and call him just, of course, completely trashed on the phone, would fall asleep, pass out on the phone, you know, and the next day I would talk to him and he would be like, Patty, what, you know, what is going on? And I was like, oh, you know, I just happened to drink a little too much that night. But of course it was like every night, you know? Yeah. Mm. 
So then when I moved up here in 2008, so that summer or that school year, I finished my school year and packed up my car and I drove all my belongings and my little Saturn, my little golden chariot. I drove up in 2008 and pretty much like from when I first got here, you know, of course, I'm just still I'm drinking every day. And Rory would say things to me in, I mean, you know, as, as softly as he could kind of say, I notice you're drinking every day, you know, and I, were you guys, were you guys in the same town at this point? Yeah. 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 I mean, I moved up and moved in with him. Like, okay. Got it. Got it. So he could actually observe your daily behavior. Yes. And this was, you know, that was a huge thing because as much as we were talking every day and sharing so much of our lives together and, you know, visiting, Now it was, we are now completely submerged (laughs) into each other's worlds. And then, of Mm -hmm. course, I'm up here. I didn't know anyone, which, I mean, I'm, you know, when I did my move out to Oregon, I didn't know anyone out there. So I'm an adventurer enough that I can go somewhere and get to know people. But being up here and pretty much my life was completely submerged into his world, you know, of course, how am I going to cope? I'm going to drink like that's, you know, that's what I know how to do. Yeah. So then it took, you know, we ended up getting married in 2010 and it, it was definitely, you know, my drinking was a topic of conversation. I would have these just, you know, drunken rages of whatever, accusing him of just so many different things that, you know, I think back to the look on his face of just like, what are you talking about? And I know I had just a lot of anger, a lot, it's just so much emotion would come out when I would drink. I mean, and it would, it would, it was definitely bad. Like, For the following few years, I mean, we would have some fights where, you know, I just, I thank God that he kept his cool through all of it. I mean, I've punched holes in walls. I've, I just would get so angry and so mad and just, you know, we would talk about like, of course, the next day it would be like, okay, you know, I'm so sorry. And, you know, Roy would be like, you got to cage that inner demon. You know, it's like, you got to work on that, you you know, and and it would be, I mean, it's not like he ever told me I needed to stop drinking. Of course I knew like every morning I'd wake up and kind of like be waiting for him to respond. Like, Oh gosh, what did I do last night? Like I knew I was blacking out. Like most nights when I would go to sleep, like I just kind of barely remembered the last of the conversations. I mean, it, it was bad. Like I knew it was bad. It was Mm -hmm. like in the morning, right? Like you're waiting for the other shoe to drop in the morning. Like what, what, like what did I say? What did, yeah. Is he going to fill in the blank? Right. Like, cause I have a blank. And I'm waiting for well, him to fill it in. Like, I, I'd wait to see his reaction mm-hmm. and just kind of like, okay, did, oh, he smiled at me. Good. Okay. I didn't say anything, you know, like, oh, or Patty, he yeah. just look and it was horrible. Like, and of course, again, I look back and think, oh my God, like how, why was I living my life like this? You're waiting for him to inform you about your behavior 
through how he's reacting to you in the morning, right? Like it's yep. like a puzzle all the time. We're like, like that's why I yep. call it like sober so CSI. We're trying to put it together. We're trying <laughs> it to put is it so together. True, it really is. You know, and even like before, you know, before I moved up here, when I was just out partying, I mean, it would get to the point that some mornings I would go outside and look at my car to make sure a is my car in the driveway, b is it smashed? Did I hit anything? You know, like thank yeah. God, I never had a DUI. I never hurt anyone. I never hurt myself because of course, stupid me. Like I thought I was invincible. Like, yeah, but you did, uh, but you did hurt yourself. I'm sure. You know what I mean? Like a little bit. We do that. We do that to ourselves. It seems like we keep taking it and taking it and taking it until we don't until we wake up to that. Hey, Unruffled listeners, just popping in mid-show to remind you about our Patreon fundraising campaign. To date, we have produced over a year's worth of content and have over a quarter million downloads. We can hardly believe it. If you like what you've been hearing, you can be a patron of this show for as much as you'd like, even if it's just a dollar an episode. To donate, please go to www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. Thank you for your continued support of the show. Now back to it. So what was the turning point for you? How'd you get to the turning point? um, My dad ended up, I mean, during that time period, and I can't remember the exact, I think it was when I was still living down in Florida. My dad was diagnosed with esophageal cancer Mm. and they ended up having to remove two thirds of his esophagus pull his stomach up, you know, connected. And he, you know, continued to have issues with eating, drinking, swallowing, of course, never addressed the fact that alcohol could very well have been the cause of this cancer. And then he continued to drink even after he would switch to NA beer, but he was still drinking, you know, like his glasses of whiskey every night, You know, when he was really going to live it up, you know, he would drink, you know, alcoholic beers, not N.A. And I mean, he continued to live, you know, his life on that that path. And at some point, I guess it was I was already up here. I oh, gosh, I should have checked this date. I think he it was like in 2013. He ended up finding out that the cancer had come back and it was pretty much like throughout parts of his body. And I was, I should say, fortunate enough to be able to kind of put my job on hold. And Roy said, you need to just go down there to back to Florida and just, you know, be with him. So for that month, you know, before he did end up passing away, my one sister and I just, you know, every day would go and visit him. We got him set up in a, in a really great hospice facility and pretty much took care of cleaning out his house and, you know, coping with our father dying. I mean, we went through the process of, you know, a month, a month and a half, however long that was. And, of course, the way we were coping with it was drinking every day, you know, and not, and not thinking of, you know, how alcohol had such a huge part in this. But, you know, when I ended up coming back to Florida or coming back to Missouri from Florida and, and getting back into the cycle of things, it was definitely a huge 
like that was the beginning of 2013. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about, you know, how alcohol played such an Im- important role for him that, you know, I mean, obviously he, you know, he died from it. He died from the mm-hmm. complications of what alcohol did and the cancer it caused in his body. So that summer was my 40th birthday. And that was definitely the birthday that I, you know, I had received several bottles of cake vodka for my birthday. And I decided I needed to go ahead and drink all those bottles of cake vodka for my birthday because hell, it was my birthday, you know? And it was, I mean, it was definitely a night that ended out in a blackout. You know, there's still a lot of questions of even like how that night exactly ended. And, you know, I remember over the next few weeks after that of of talking to Roy and really, you know, him being like, Patty, you you know, you really got to get a handle on this drinking and I remember thinking, okay, I will, you know, I'll only drink like on the weekend or I'll only drink Fridays or, you know, and I could maybe go like a few days and they'd be like, oh, what's, you know, what's a glass of wine? You know, studies say wine's good for you, right? You know, and. Did you ever get angry or defensive whenever he would um, confront you about your drinking? Only if he did it while I was drinking. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, like if, I mean, if we had the sober conversation in the morning, I would be like, I totally understand. I'm so sorry. You know, I mean, I must have said sorry to him a million times. And, you know, I remember him just being like, you know, I accept your apology, but I really need for you to just not do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. How many times can you say you're sorry? Yeah. So then those next couple of years, I mean, it was definitely, I was very aware of it, but of course I still was drinking, pretty much still drinking every day. And then, um, 2014 was when I, I quit, I was teaching up here in Missouri. I was at an early childhood center and you know, Roy and I had talked after my dad passed away. I had gotten, you know, a little bit of money from him. And at this point, we had already taken um, a ceramic class together. And Roy's always just been so supportive of, you know, live your dreams, do what you love. And at that point, he was like, why don't you go art full time? He's like, that's what you have your degree in. You know, why don't you stay at home, you know, take care of things around the house, but really work on your art. And I was like, okay, yes. Yeah. So 2014, um, I got my kiln, I got my wheel, you know, I kind of cleaned out the garage, made that into my ceramic studio. I actually do own, um, here the art studios is a registered LLC with the state of Missouri. And I was like, okay, this is it. I'm an artist. Well, you know, in my mind, an artist would drink, you know, so I mean, my days now when I would be home, Roy would get up and go to work every day. I'd get up, I get him off in the morning, be drinking my coffee till, you know, oh, about noonish. And then I'd pop a beer and it would be, you know, I would be working in my studio and it would be just, you know, having a few beers and drinking beers. And then it would be like, you know, I did a lot of just like cleaning, cleaning up my studio, organizing tools. Like, and I really, I mean, I was doing clay work, but I was more so just enjoying being able to stay home and having my beers and 
being this artist in the studio, but not really like actually doing anything with my life. Right. So, right. Because you, how you just, I mean, it's as romantic as I would always make it. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna get up early and I'm going to go into my studio and I'd have all my stuff laid out and I'd have my bottles of wine ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, that's a tool. That's, and that's I mean, part once of your I started tool. drinking, I wouldn't get shit done. Nothing. <laughs> every time. I mean, every time. I mean, that's the insanity of it. I would still keep doing it thinking that it was going to be different and it never was. Oh, it wasn't. And, you know, and then it would be, I would see, you know, Roy would get home anywhere from like five to six. So at like, you know, four ish or so I would be like, oh, crap, you know, maybe I'm a little too buzzed. I shouldn't really be this buzz this time of day, you know, so it really became like I was I knew I was catching myself wanting to hide things from him. I was going to ask you that if you had started hiding. Oh, yeah, of course I did. You (laughs) know, that's part of it. And it's just, and it's, I mean, it's so shitty. Like I do, I look back at it now and think, oh my God, like I can't believe he honestly has stood by me through Mm. all of this. And so it was, you know, so then like 2015, the beginning of that, like that's when I really started getting serious with the studio. I was applying um, to different art shows. You want to go through a process of actually jurying, you know, so you would take pictures of your work. You'd send it into a jury to decide whether, you know, they wanted to have you in shows or not. And so in 2015, you know, we started doing the first couple shows and I was feeling pretty good because I finally was like, OK, I'm, I'm getting a groove. And then it was uh, that summer we had taken a trip. Um, we had done some hiking in the Appalachian tra- on the Appalachian Trail in Georgia and went up to North Carolina. And, of course, it was, like, all about drinking. You know, it was – I mean, we went to Asheville, and it was like, oh, I couldn't wait to go, like, to all the different brew pubs. It was just, like, drinking, all about drinking, you know. And then we went to visit my cousin, and, you know, my, my cousins and I, we would hang out, and we would drink. Like, that's just, you know – Drinking was what we did to have fun there, you know, and anything else, whether we played pool or went and heard music or whatever, like that was always second. It was always like, you know, for me, what are we going to drink? When are we going to drink? Oh, yeah. And right before my birthday. So my birthday is June 6th. That, you know, June 3rd, we had gone out and you know, came back and was having a conversation and Roy pretty much point blank came out and said, you know, Patty, if, if you're going to keep drinking the way you're drinking, our relationship is going to end. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a threat. It wasn't an ultimatum. Like it really was just kind of a matter of fact, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and he, I mean, gosh, he's just such a great guy. And he really was like, you know, it's just going, it's going to end because he just, you know, and now of course, looking back, I'm like, of course. And I remember that night talking to him and saying, okay, you know, you're right. Like there's no way oh, I get a little choked up. There's no way that I could choose alcohol 
over him. Like there's, there's no way. And as much as that's what I had been doing, but like to consciously take a look at that and say, it's really either going to be, I need to continue the path drinking or I need to do everything I can to continue the path as Roy's wife and Mm -hmm. in the relationship that we have. So pretty much, so June's third, 2015 was definitely like what I've had in my mind is like that, that was the day I decided that was my day that I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to be sober. And this was a a weekend that we were actually up in Georgia celebrating uh, my uncle's 80th birthday. It was like this huge birthday party. All my family was up there, you know, <laughs> lots of drinking. And I, this is the first weekend <laughs> that yeah. I am now deciding I'm not going to drink alcohol anymore. And right before and your they, birthday, just yeah. days before your birthday too, which I'm sure is an excuse to drink. And- of course, it always has been. So, so, was, so know- was it a switch for you, Patty? Was it like a... You made that decision and it was like a switch had been flipped. Like It was, was huge. Yeah. And and I have to put in too that Roy decided now Roy I mean Roy always liked to drink, but by no means was he I mean, he was not an everyday drinker. Like he could definitely have a good time, but a lot of times it would be like he could take it or leave it. And he decided when I told him that I was going to stop, he decided with me that he would stop drinking also. He's like, I know you're going to need that as a support and I'm okay with that. I'm going to give up alcohol too. So that, you know, I look Mm. back and that's, that was definitely huge. Like if he was still drinking or continue to drink, I think I would have had a very hard time. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, the temptation would just, it would be there. So well, could, and that just shows how important it was to him. Yes, for it, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And did you have a plan or were you just kind of white knuckling? Oh, or? No, I was, and that's pretty much like when I quit smoking, like that's what I just was like, I'm going to do it. And I am the type of person that if I set my mind to it, I, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to follow through. I'm going to find the strength in myself. I'm going to, you know, use Roy and, and generate, you know, I mean, because the man is just so strong and, yeah. and just it, I really needed to channel some of his energy to yeah. help not, you know, not drink anymore and just as a little kind of a side note though, like for the first few months, I mean, I still was smoking pot and not, I mean, I wasn't smoking every day, but it was something that I did kind of rely on that Mm -hmm. a little bit. Like when I stopped drinking alcohol, I mean, when we got back from that trip, it was like, I mean, I dumped every bottle of wine, every bottle of liquor. Like I really needed to just kind of clear everything out of the house. And I really started doing, you know, some some deeper self-exploration. And I, you know, but as I was smoking pot still, it, you know, that, of course, too, became a substance that I was able to identify and say, you know, if I'm if I'm really going through and I'm going to stop drinking, like I really I needed to stop everything. So. It really was just, you know, I dove deep into, I mean, I've always had kind of a yoga practice, nothing real, you know, regimented. I would do, you know, watch YouTube videos and stuff. And once I decided to stop drinking, I mean, I really dove into 
really getting into yoga and the the meaning behind yoga and the ancient text of yoga and and so much more than just the asanas, you know, the postures. It was really diving into and researching what yoga really means and what's the yogic way of life. This is, um, you're reminding me of my friend, Natalie, Natalie, who's been on the show, Natalie Fairbrook, because that was how she did it too. She, you, when you just said you made a decision and it was like a switch, yeah. she often tells me, she's like, I just, once I set my mind to something, I do it. And so, and she turned to yoga as well. That was her recovery. Um, that's how she, um, you know, baby stepped her way into not needing alcohol every day was yoga became her thing that she needed every day. Yeah. And that's, you know, doing, doing the postures as well as I really got into um, meditation too. And, you know, that's something now. So this past June was my three years, you know, sobriety date. And, you know, I look now to the way I'm living my life and how, you know, yoga was definitely my, you know, when I first started it, it was not, you know, an everyday thing. And even today, you know, at this point, I mean, I do it most days, but, you know, I also allow myself some forgiveness that if I, you know, if I wake up and I want to sleep a little bit later, I'm, you know, my body's just not feeling it. Like I'm okay not doing it. But, you know, if I go a day or two and hadn't done it, my, you know, like my body's telling me, oh, yeah, you gotta, you need to stretch. (laughs) So when you were so, so you're newly sober, you have Roy as a support, you're doing yoga. Did you, I mean, our mind is such a busy place when we first stopped drinking, you know, (laughs) and you'd shared with us a little bit before, like you'd go on the internet and search things. Like, were you trying to find others that in your community or were you trying to find others that, that were also not drinking? Did that become a curiosity for you? Um, well, it was, it was kind of, it was neat because at one point, I mean, I, my very first, like I think when we had gotten back from that trip or like very, you know, very early on within the first couple of weeks, you know, of course I love Googling. So I sat down and I Googled sobriety and hip sobriety was the very first thing that came up. And I was like, oh, what's this on that led me to Holly Whitaker's page and which then led me to the home podcast that her and Laura do. I devoured that podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Like that. I would sit down. I, I had, I have a huge sketch pad and I would pull out my colored pencils and I would sit and just listen to those podcasts and cry and, you know, Mm -hmm. comment and relate. And there were so like, that to me was huge. That to me was enough of a sober support that then from there, like I, you know, on Facebook, I would make posts that, okay, you know, I haven't drank for two months. And I, you know, I, I was sober out loud for sure from the very beginning. And I was amazed of how many of my friends, you know, would private message me and say, oh, I've been sober for a couple of years or I've been like, I had way more sober people in my life than I ever even imagined. Really? Mm. It was like, I mean, and it was private, you know, where people, it's not like people would post online saying, oh, me too, you know, 
But I would get messages and people reaching out. If you ever need to talk, I'm on five years. I'm on 10 years. I'm, you know, and I was like, holy moly, are you kidding? (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? It really was. It was. Like they were there all along. And yet it took until we can like we share a little bit of ourselves or, you know, that they can find us. Like that's kind of yeah. why I think it is so great when we are sharing out loud. I get tons of, and I know Sandra does too, private messages and, and people, um, you know, asking for a little help. It's neat, you know, and even because I am, am sober out loud, I've had a lot of friends too even reach out and say, how did you do it? How did you start? You know, really wanting to know they're at that sober curious stage and you know I mean it you know I'm I just turned 45 now it's you know I'm not a spring chicken like I am at this point I'm going to do everything I can to keep my body healthy you know I want to live a long life we you know Roy and I have a really good thing going and I you know I look forward to every day that I have with him I'm going to do everything I can to be as healthy and strong and driven to live this life. And mm-hmm. it's really cool to, to have people reach out to me and say, wow, you know, they want to know my story. So I got to say, I was just so freaking flattered when, you know, as we ended up meeting and when you asked me, Tammy, of, you know, if I would consider doing this, I was like, hell yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I think more people need to share these stories because you know what? It's not normal to be drinking every day. And I'm sorry if I offend anyone for saying that, but it's not like your body does not need that. Mm -mm. And like you said, you know, you don't know how bad you actually felt every day until you feel better. Your baseline is so low for, for, you know, what you tolerate. It, yeah. real crazy because I mean, I know I was finding like within the first few weeks of not drinking alcohol anymore, it was like my skin and my teeth and my eyes. And like, there were so many parts of my body that physically I could feel. And Mm -hmm. another, well, another thing I forgot to mention was I was having really bad acid reflux Mm-hmm. And it started, you know, like it used to be, oh, if I only drank margaritas or, you know, like if there was only a few things that would cause it, like as I was drinking. Well, toward the end, it was like as soon as I took my first sip of alcohol, like I would be getting acid reflux. Well, of course, that's a huge sign of esophageal cancer like that, mm-hmm. you know. So then mm-hmm. it's like my dad was probably one of the biggest supporters, you know, after he had passed away Mm. that, that really supported my desire to end this addiction, to be strong enough, you know, because as, as strong of a man as, you know, he is, he's, he's German, he was a cop. I mean, there's so much to this man, but he was so weak to his addiction of alcohol. And, Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I mean, I keep a picture of him on my refrigerator and he's holding his glass of whiskey and his beer in each hand. And it's like, I look at him every day and I just think, yep, you know, this is for you. Like every day that I wake up and I'm sober and I don't have a hangover, it's like, you know, I give thanks to him 
for being an example of how I don't want my life to end the way his life ended, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's, bad. it's so hard. And, you know, Patty, like you said, you know, I would never choose alcohol over my husband. I know Tammy and I have said we'd never choose alcohol over our children, but yet we did or over our health. You know, now looking back, I'd never choose alcohol over my health, but yet you do. You do. Right. Because you would never consciously say like that sounds like the most ridiculous thing to actually verbalize, you know, Mm -hmm. that I would choose this liquid, this (laughs) beverage over over uh, these other things that I say that are important to me. Ethanol. Like, it's like, it's just like, if you really think about alcohol, I mean, you are consuming a poison. Right. Oh, yeah. That's like, thank God. Thank God that is in my past. And, you know, I, I am so grateful for that every day. Well, that the the part, like the unmanageability of my life, like what happened, like, of course, I didn't think it was unmanageable, Patty, right? Like, we think we got this. Like, you got it figured out. You got your systems in place. Yeah. You're kind of, too, you know, doing your thing in your studio and just kind of futzing around. And I, this is no problem. Um, but I think something I wanted to just kind of highlight here was that for me to stop drinking, um, I know that you said, you know, Roy was a really big part of that for you. And, of course, I think our loved ones are. And I was chatting with someone the other day and saying, like, of course, I, I quit drinking for seven months and then I went into the rooms, right? Well, mm-hmm. I went into the rooms to kind of prove to my husband that, like, I got this figured out. Like, I'm proving to you that I'm taking this seriously. I'm proving to you that I, you know, I'm serious about this. Is basically, that's what I wanted to punctuate. Mm-hmm. Um, but as time has gone by... I am no longer doing that for him and Grady, my son, as a kind of, they're the first. I do it for me. And yeah. like, when you just said you have that picture on your um, refrigerator, it just made me think like, and you're doing it f- to, to change the legacy of your family too, Patty. Like you are choosing that to show, you know, hey, dad, I, I'm, I'm going to stop this. And I well, think that's it is. very and strong that- and very powerful, Patty. It's so crazy because now, you know, I have a lot of nieces and nephews um, and a lot of them are of drinking age or close to that. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. and I'm looking at them and I want to be an example. Like I was definitely the example for them of how to drink for a long time. You know, like I think about them growing up I had a nephew well I I still have a nephew but I had a nephew that loved like my family they had had a golf cart and it would be like he loved driving it when he was little like eight years old you know he would love taking me for rides on the golf cart and of course I always had a freaking beer in my hand like I'm thinking what the hell like you get to show up differently now, oh. right? And that's what's kind of, I mean, Sandra does, I do. When we mm-hmm. when we choose to kind of remove this one thing from our life, we get to show up differently. And I, I'm, I'm enjoying like that it's not in a way that's preachy. It's just that it just is. And so right. that my son can see that my husband can have a cocktail and that, I, and that I'm out at the same event and I do not have to. Um, right. And that's, you know, that was definitely... 
Like at this point, you know, for a while when I first started stopped drinking, I didn't really want to go out. I didn't want to go to barbecues. Like I remember getting invited to a birthday party at a brew pub and I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm going to walk in there and the smell of hops is going to just, you know, I'm going to be like this crazy fiend at the, you know, <laughs> beer taps or something. And I was so scared to have that initial like social scene. But yeah. we ended up going, and it was it was totally fine. They had draft root beer on tap that I was drinking the whole time, and you know it was like we left there. And you know, I remember Roy just being like, "So, you know, how do you feel?" And I was like, "That was a piece of cake. Like it was not. I worked up. I work up so much anxiety over things that really yeah. are not that bad." Yeah. Well, and you know, there you know, we do have to protect our sobriety, especially in the beginning to a certain extent. And you have to know your sober limits, you know, like I would not be able to hand, you know, like for instance, you know, knowing whether or not you would be able to handle walking into a bar situation or whatever, but at the same time you're right. We do, I think, um uh, in anticipation of these things, we definitely make them into a bigger deal than they actually end up being oh, almost for sure. all yeah. the time, almost yeah. all the time. I mean, I was well into sobriety when I had to go to a, 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 a wedding, um, a bachelorette party. And I mean, I like really played it up in my head that it was going to be this really hard thing. And, um, it ended up not being that way at all. And so, you know, I think we do that as a, as a protection and it's probably a good thing, but at the same time, you're right. I think a lot of times it ends up not being as big of a deal as we think it's going to be. Yeah. And I have noticed, I think, you know, because Roy and I both, you know, don't drink, I've, of course, become a huge fan of like LaCroix and every sparkly, fizzy kind of water and, you know, all that. And I love the mocktails. And, you know, when we go places now, it's like, I'm sure I make sure because I'm a drinker, like when I'm out in a social scene, I need a a drink you need to have a drink and I will yeah. suck it down. So like we'll go to parties. I'll bring a 12 pack of LaCroix and I could pretty much suck down the whole thing, you know, <laughs> and that's, and that's fine. You know, yeah. like, I learned real early on. I'm like, I can't get into sodas too much. Like I'll have a soda now and again, but that's like way too much sugar. Yeah. So, you know, I love going now. It's like if we ever go out to bars or anything, like I go get my soda water with a few limes and a few lemons. And it's like, I feel like hot shit, you know, and you're right, you're right. I mean, it feels, it feels almost protective to have just something in your hand, right? Especially yep. it's even nicer if it looks like a, you a know, drink. like yeah. it's in a rocks glass and it has <laughs> a lime in it and, you know, it is a form of protection people. Not as many people ask you questions about what well, you're right, drinking. That's always that's that's a strange conversation to have with people, and I, you know I'm very open about it. But you know when people want to give me drinks or want you know can I get you something and you know it's 
I'm comfortable saying, oh, no, I don't drink alcohol anymore, you know, and even I mean, Roy's really good. Like, you know, we, we'll go to Olive Garden or something and they always want to give you, you know, your samples of wine as soon as you go in. And, you know, Roy, like, will look at the server and just say, oh, no, we don't drink alcohol. And it's it's just it's very matter of fact, you know, like yeah. it's no judgment. No apology it's not, for it. You know, <laughs> right. Not at all. Yeah. Well, Patty, I want to chat because I, I know like you since you, so you stopped drinking, you have this time, this energy, you have this studio, you have a partner who's into it with you and your art is like, you're blossoming, right? You're, you're, you're getting into <laughs> oh, yeah. shows. You're do- so I would love, and you sent me, I know you sent me these beautiful, what do you call what you sent me? The rocks? Stones. I call oh, them my stones. ceramic stones. They're so yeah. beautiful. And, They're beautiful and they feel good in your hand. They're oh, almost yeah. like a worry stone or something. And yeah, you, they're, so you know, I call it pocket that. art, you know. Yeah, they I just are. wanted you to tell the listeners a little bit how you dropped into that. And um, you definitely inspired me, um, along with my art professor, about taking ceramics this semester. So I know that um, there, there, there's a little bit of a void when we stop drinking, right? There's all this time that we used to, oh, to yeah. have, you know, what buying the alcohol, sitting around drinking the alcohol, being hungover from the alcohol. So you have all, all this it. time. Yeah, what was, did you do there, with it? Um, I really, I dove in, you know, feet first, just jumped right in and really explored creatively all my different techniques that I could do with my hand building. So I'm considered a hand builder. You know, I don't use the wheel. I build everything by hand. So I do different techniques of pinching or coiling, or now I have a slab roller. So I roll out slabs of clay. I know what that is now. And it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks very cool. I like how it just flattens it's out really the, the clay. Fun. Well, and you can use all sorts of things to texture it. Tammy, you have to try that out. Like I love using like pieces of burlap that you roll out your slabs and then they'll have the burlap texture. Or, I mean, I'm at the point now where I'm just constantly, like when I go to thrift stores, I'm trying to find different fabrics with, you know, like you can use doilies or any kind of lace or anything like that, you know, you could roll out in the slabs. So I did a lot of exploring, just looking up different videos, um, researching different artists I liked. And at that same time, also, I became very active in a couple art groups in the area here in Missouri. Um, There's one, the Greater St. Louis Art Association that that puts on some shows in the St. Louis area, just became a very active member with them. I joined a statewide organization called the Best of Missouri Hands that now I actually serve as a board member. And it really freed up the idea that I didn't have to be home so I could drink. Like that was a huge, I never wanted to do anything at night because it was like, uh, I don't want to have to drive. I'm drinking, you know, like it's five (laughs) o'clock somewhere. Come on. You know? Yeah. So once I stopped that, the freedom to go and do things and go to art, different art openings at galleries and just really submerge myself into the art culture in this area was huge. And I know I couldn't have really done that. You know, I mean, I could, I could put on a good front, like when I was drinking and I could do what I needed to do, but my desire to be at home drinking was pretty much what I wanted, you know? 
Where now, as much as I mean, I am a homebody. Like I love, I love being at home. <laughs> I love being here. I have two cats, and it's just, you know, I don't really want to leave the house that often. But you know what's so wonderful is the option. You have yeah. the choice, the freedom. Totally. Well, even if there's like an emergency or something, you know, like I would, I started thinking about that. Uh, in reference to people with children, you know, where it's like, if you are just, you know, drunk off your ass and you get some emergency phone call, you know, what do you do? How do you go mm. into? And luckily, yeah. I, mean, I was never in that situation where it didn't happen to me. But at this point now, like knowing if I got a call in the middle of the night or if, you know, we're we're out somewhere and there's some kind of an emergency, like I am with it. My, You know, I, I have the capability to do what I need to do. And there's nothing clouding my mind or my vision or, you know, anything like that's that's very empowering. There's definitely, you know, I've I've used the term of just, you know, finding my strength and my sobriety and it couldn't be any more true. Mm. Well, and you've you've you the studio that you've built now. The work that comes out of your studio that you and your husband have built together is just amazing. You're winning awards and yeah. getting into shows, <laughs> and you're just really yeah. just taking it on. Thanks. And I did. I got a little sidetracked there with my last little spiel. But so my work that I'm doing, so I really explore. Um, I am a big hiker, so I love collecting rocks and things. So the stones that I started doing are these small pieces of clay. I form them in my hand and I create all sorts of different patterns and textures and I use a variety of glazes. I've gotten into doing ones that now I've stamped. So for a couple of the past two uh, recovery or art exchanges we've done, like I did, you know, these these neat stamp stones with specific, specific words and I phrases on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love this too. And it's, it's, it's given me the opportunity to really, you know, let out my creativity and really explore. And there's nothing, again, you know, nothing's clouding it. Like I'm really going for a a very clear mind. And, you know, even in, in my yoga quest, it's really that quest to, to live my true self, to find my authentic self, to live exactly what my life's purpose is. Mm, I love that. Isn't it beautiful? And, God, that's beautiful, Patty, because that it's, is. It's it, like you woke up to yourself. It was. And there was so much, you know, of uh, so much of what I've come back to has already been shown to me in my past. Like, you know, I started exploring Buddhism and Taoism and Eastern religions when I was a junior, you know, in my junior college, like in the early 90s. And, you know, I was introduced to my first yoga class when I was going to school at the University of Oregon. And like there were so many things that it, it was so close. It was so there. But because I was drinking or high on pot or, you know, like. For whatever reasons, like I would see things and be like, yeah, that's cool. But man, have you tried this new IPA? You know, like it was just, 
Well, it's like it's so close, but it's so far away too. And it's like when we when we do stop drinking, I feel like we can tap into what what brought us joy before. What or what were we dabbling in that we? For me, I'll speak for myself that I was afraid to do art. I was mm-hmm. afraid to do to be seen. I was afraid of um, to write. I was terrified of. Still doesn't sit so comfortably with me, <laughs> but. I'm willing to show up now. And that's why I think I went back to college was to, to, to prove to myself, like I can finish something, something that I really loved. But also what I'm doing, Patty, with that is that I get to dabble in the things that were interesting to me way back when, and I get to marry it with where I'm at in my life right now. Mm-hmm. And like signing up for the ceramics class after meeting you and after chatting with my art professor who is doing, she's a painter, but she also does ceramics and her husband does it as well. They have a wheel at home. And now that that's like become a passion of theirs together that they do reminded me of you and Roy. And it was like, I want to try this thing that I can't control. Um, but I can't, it's it's like, it's twofold. You can't control it, but you are controlling it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like the clay. And I thought the metaphor of that spoke to me as well. There's so many lessons in clay. Like I can't even believe everything that comes oh, every time I'm awesome. in the studio. Yeah. Well, I know for me, I've always said that, um, so in, you know, in Buddhist philosophy, one of the things you read about a lot is impermanence, you know, nothing lasts forever. And the idea that, you know, you can, you can get rid of your suffering as long as you release any kind of attachment and accept the idea of impermanence that, you know, nothing really lasts. Mm -hmm. And I've always said that working in clay has been the, that, that is my lesson of impermanence, you know, from the very beginning, you know, you start working with the clay and at any moment, you know, you can lose it, whether it's working on the wheel or hand building things slump, things fall over. Yeah, it can break apart, you know, then you go through the firing process and in the kiln again at any moment, you know, something there could be a mistake, your glaze runs, a piece blows up, you know, something happens with the shelf or the kiln. Okay, you know, you get it through there, you get your finished piece, it's this gorgeous, whatever it is, mug, bowl, something hanging on the wall. And at any moment, it can drop and break. So it's that constant lesson of impermanence. And an attachment, you know? I guess, too, yep. right? Like to, to not be attached. Because if you're attached to that outcome, like I was so stuck on the wheel. I mean, I was crying. I am 48 years old, crying on the wheel <laughs> while everybody else has moved on. And my very... Did the tears help loosen up your... <laughs> they added to the sadness. It was not a ghost-like experience, but my but my, my very calm oh, Japanese yeah. professor walked over with his hands behind his back and he's just like surveying the freaking situation with me and he is just like hey, what did he say you're not listening he said very calmly he just looked at me clay clay not listen to you you must listen to clay and then he just walks off and i'm like fuck and then he just kept coming back over eventually he put his hands on mine eventually he showed me what i was doing wrong and he was like you're mad at the clay and I was, I was pissed <laughs> off because I couldn't do it. And he was like, the clay knows. And I'm like, oh, he is mm-hmm. very wise. <laughs> he is like my, he's, he's more than my, yeah, he's like a Zen teacher. And so when he showed me 
and what I was doing wrong and actually physically showed me like, it's my middle finger of all things. That was the problem. Um, You're giving a big fuck you to the clay. Actually, I was just using the fingertip. I was, and my clay was too hard. And he was like, no, you use your whole middle finger. And I was like, no, no, you said, you said to push down with your middle finger. He's like, whole finger. And I'm like, yeah, but my notes say, cause I'm the only one taking notes like a Virgo in the class, but your note, my notes say, and he says whole finger. He just repeats himself and walks away. And I'm like, okay, okay, shit. All right. Whole finger. All right. Whole middle finger. Fucking a, sorry if there's kids listening, but it's, it was, so I was mad at the clay the whole time, Patty. And that like that just was showing me how hard I push things or try to force things and that, yeah, it could all crumple, right? It could all go away in a second. And it was like nine times in a row, it was just disappearing. And I'd have to start over. And I was just so mad at it. But since he did that whole little <laughs> exchange, something shifted. And yep. I don't control the universe. I don't control the clay. You know, I'm setting it there, but it's actually doing its own thing. I'm just guiding it. And that kind well, of lesson. Is, that is such a <laughs> lesson in life. Yeah. You know, that... There's, you know, I did, I read that book, The Secret. Are you guys familiar with that? It, yeah. I can't remember who the author was of it. Yeah, I don't but remember. But it's that, it's Abraham, it's based off of Abraham Hicks. Uh, I don't know who wrote the book, The Secret, but anyway, yeah, it's based, based off the law of attraction, right? Yeah. But that, yeah, completely. And that yeah. idea that, you know, you just, you kind of, you know, you put your thoughts out there, you, you know, you, you're positive, you're focused on whatever it is, but then, you know, there is a sense of you just, you kind of have to let it be. You have to kind of give it a chance to come back and, and. I think, you know, when you're working with clay, it's like rather than needing to control it, like throwing that energy into it, making it do what you need to do, it's kind of like, okay, you know, you, you accept that it's there and, you know, you apply where you can, but then sometimes it is like needing, I mean, Tammy, we were talking the other day about this, where it's, you have to give sometimes the opportunity for the clay to set up a little bit and to get, you know, Mm -hmm. a little bit of a, you know, leather hard state where, where the workability is more doable. And sometimes that's really hard. You know, I know when I'm on a good groove and I'm making some different stuff, you know, I'm playing around with some of these real fun sculptural pieces now. And like, I want to keep pushing it, but I've lost, lost enough pieces to to know that it's like, sometimes you got to just kind of step back give it some time, you know, and it's such that it's such a good visual of how I need to be living my life. Well, it Mm. totally relates. I mean, there's so many lessons in there that relate to sobriety. I mean, the willingness to let go, right? The patience, Mm -hmm. the acceptance, the idea of surrender. Um, so it's, it's all in there. And I find that with, with, with all of the art classes that I take or, or art that I make, it's, it's there to teach me a lesson. Um, I, I mean, that's not its sole purpose. It teaches me a lesson if I am willing and ready to hear it. If I'm not ready, then nothing happens. Um, but it's interesting. It's just interesting, especially this medium. Um, I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the lessons. Well, and I love, I love the idea of the elements, you know, earth, air, fire, and water. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it, you know, the clay 
you have the earth and you have the water in the clay. And then in the firing Four process, in your Four <laughs> big fat tears. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you. <laughs> okay. I'm done now. And then, you know, with the kiln, you have the air and the fire. And this idea of, of really tapping into almost like an ancient wisdom, you know, of, yeah. of really just kind of relying on the simple elements. And I guess, you know, I'm really just diving into like the old yogic text and all this stuff. It's like, I mean, everything kind of all comes full circle and it all just kind of falls into place, you know, the secret that's like, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so then when you're, so you, you are being celebrated. You, do you just feel like you're just at this really beautiful time in your life, Patty? Cause it's, seems... Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. And I, knew, I don't, I can't remember where the original quote came from. And then I know Tammy, you've mentioned this before, but that phrase of, you know, there was a time where I would wake up and think, Oh my God, this is my life. Like, yeah. oh. I don't know if I can really do this. Like, I think I might just need the couch and Netflix. Like, there's nothing I, I want to do with yeah. my life. Now, it's like, oh, my God. I wake up in the morning. I'm like, holy moly, this is my life. Like, Yeah. It's you like know, you're, you're rejoicing. What can I do today, you know? I mean, a lot of times Roy will leave for work, you know, and he'll say, live your dreams. And that'll be, you know, like, he'll give me a kiss goodbye. And that's what he says. And it's, you know, I think back to a time when, you know, when I was young and that's, you hear that a lot when, you know, when you become sober is kind of refer back to the, the child you were at five years old or, you know, like just kind of a simpler time. And my two favorite things were playing house and making art. Like that, that's what I did when I was, you know, younger, I would play house, I would rearrange things, I would make beds, I would, you know, like play house, I would cook, yeah. I would do all those things in my little pretend kitchen. And then I would do art, I had markers, I had crayons, I had Play-Doh, I mean, like, I couldn't get enough art in my life. And I remember saying, you know, I was going to grow up to be an artist, like that realization recently hit me that just brought me to tears where mm. I, I am living my dream. I, you know, I am a homemaker. I get to stay home and I take care of our house and, you know, I do the laundry and I do the cooking and I do the cleaning and I couldn't be happier with it. You know, like yeah. I love, I love that that's, you know, I create our, our house into a home. Yeah. And then I make and then I'm here and I'm making art too. So it's like I play house and I make art. <laughs> and that, you know. I love that. That's a Patty. pretty and that's a good life. Yeah. That is a good freaking life right there. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Patty. Well, I know. Look at the time. I'm just trying to, I'm sorry that I'm watching time a little bit. That's a beautiful place to stop. You have come full circle. Yeah, it's it, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, we at the at this point of the show, we Sandra, do you have anything else before I move? No, on? no. Yeah. Um, we, this is the part of the show where we share um, our unruffled toolbox, and so for listeners that haven't listened before, welcome. Um, but Patty, we're going to ask her to share three items that helps her, either with her creative life, with sobriety. Like, what's your what's your three tools for the week, Patty? 
Well, and this this has been a tough one. I've actually created, I have several lists right oh. now. <laughs> well, I'm not going to go through all of them, I promise. But, you know, like I really, I kept thinking about what, I mean, of course it's changed. Like what I needed, the tools I used when I first got sober to what I'm using on a daily basis now, of course, are very different. You know, some things are the same, but... Well, in an effort, just because we're running low on time, if you want to knock those out and tell us your early sobriety ones, and then you want to tell us the ones now, we just can't spend a ton of time on it. But go ahead, because I I know our listeners love this part of the show. Well, I can tell you how it transitions, because definitely my first one, like when I first got sober, I mean, I never knew how I was actually going to be able to fall asleep if I don't drink a bottle of wine before that. So for me, definitely chamomile tea and hot baths. I would do um, Epsom salt and then essential oils. And that to me was like, I needed that every night. It would be like, okay, hon, I'm going to go take a bath. Like I needed to drink the chamomile tea to just kind of help shut down and just soak it in the tub. And I would cry and I would, you know, go through every emotion and it would almost be like, the baptism, you know, yeah. the cleansing, the rebirth. We're now, so now to transition to present day, I would say just kind of a self-care. Like I still love taking my Epsom salt baths. I love my essential oils, you know, but that's that's huge. And whatever it, you know, at the beginning of, of the sobriety journey, it might be different than, you know, than what you have later on. But really putting myself in my care, you know, putting lotion on my feet every night, all those little kind of things, just self-care definitely be one. Um, Another one that just recently, I have the um, Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth on CD, and I had read it years ago. Um, but I just recently started listening to it again. I had to take a, an hour and a half drive just recently. So I brought that with me. That I highly recommend if no one has ever read that book before. It's A New Earth, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose. And the guy, if you get the CD, it's actually Eckhart Tolle reading it. And it just talks so much about ego. And I've realized, you know, so much of my shame and things from my past are based on issues with my ego. So that's been a huge just kind of listening to that in my car. And then I actually have the book by my bedside table too, that I'll go back and actually read parts of it that I had listened to. So that's my number two. And then I would say my number three, and this was something that I worked on at the beginning and I'm still working on, on a daily basis is just mindfulness, really, you know, conscious living, mindful in my breath and in all my actions and everything that I'm doing and my words and just really living mindfully and being so much aware of just the present moment. That Mm -hmm. has really helped, you know, definitely at the beginning of my sobriety. And now we're, you know, I don't, I don't fixate on all those horrible mistakes I made when I was drunk and I don't project too far into the future. You know, I really try and live mindfully in the present day. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a good, good. Yeah. Thank you, Patty. 
I'm just like all happy now. It's like I feel like you've had such a good girlfriend chat. Like really. Well, I've been just so excited for this. Like I just, you know, I of course wanted to put the unruffled podcast in my toolbox. Oh, you can add that if you want. Let you. We'll let you. That's my voter. It's implied. It's implied. Um, No, I'm happy to know you, Patty, and and chatting with you this summer and receiving your beautiful art. Like I felt such a beautiful gift. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah. Well, it's just, you know, you two have made such a big difference mm. in my sobriety. And I know, you know, I'm sure you hear that. I mean, you definitely touch a lot of people's lives doing this podcast and opening up and, you know, just sharing that vulnerability and the stories. And, you know, you're so relatable and both of you are just, you're amazing women. So mm. I'm, I'm very honored to know you. I'm so freaking happy to be on the podcast. I know. I'm so excited to share you with everyone. So let, let's let our listeners who are all going to be in love with you now, let's um, tell them how they can find you, how they can find, because you are, you know, you own a business, you do make art, you are a working artist. How can they yeah. find your work? So um, we do have a website. It is uh, hearetheartstudios.com. And it's here the art. If you look at it, it's actually the words heart, heart. For my husband and I, but then mm. if you break it up, here the art studios.com is our website that you know we do orders and stuff from there, and that has a little bit of our backstory. Um, I'm definitely most active on our Facebook page that's here the art studios as well. Um, always posting pictures of our process, the studio, um, oh, just kind of updating. I'm following that, I gotta follow that. Sorry, yeah, here the art. Okay. Yes, I expect you to, Tammy. Yeah, I'm on it. I'm on it right after we get off this call. Sorry. Everybody else, and get then- on your Facebook and go follow Patty. Here are the art I studios. I just did a shout out on our page last night. We're almost at 500 likes. We were at, Aww. when I, I looked at it this morning, we're at like 494. And I'm like, I know it's so cheesy, but I'm like, that's huge. Like, yeah. That really is quite a journey, you know, in just four years time. So we're pretty excited. Um, and then I am also on Instagram at Patty Spiral. And that's, that's mostly pictures of either cats, garden, or <laughs> artwork. <laughs> I am already liking, I already liked your page, so I can't like it again. It's already, I'm already there. Okay, good. Um, but we'll spread the word here and people can support you. Oh, and you have your stones are on the, on the image there. That when they go on Facebook, they can see your stones too, that we're yes. talking about today. Well, and it's really neat. I gotta give a thanks to you guys, um, because I actually, I, I did two additional sales, Tammy, after you posted the stones on your Instagram stories. Uh-huh. I had two people reach out to me and I made two sales Aww, because good. of listeners, you good. know, so I was like, kick ass. It's just, you know, that's the cool thing about, you know, being part of the creative culture, you know, yeah. and being able to share things like that. And the same thing, you know, in this, this group of, of sober people in the world, you know, it's like you, you reach out and you make these connections and it, it really is. I'm, I'm just so happy to be part of it. Hmm. So thank you. We're happy. Aww. You're part of it as well. Yes, Patty. We are very happy. To oh, have you. well, thank you, Patty. Have a really beautiful day. And um, oh, yes, all of our listeners so check out Patty, um, follow her on her website, um, here, the art studios.com, Instagram and Facebook. 
thank you so much, Patty. Oh, thanks, ladies. Patty. Well, have a great rest of your day. Okay. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.